the French have a bad reputation because people come to their country and they're reading travel books and they're like, bonjour, <laughs> ça va bien? And they're like, what did you say? Like, right. What language are you speaking to me? This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, helping you become a better language learner by providing motivating weekly inspiration, as well as top tips and tricks from expert guests. And now your host, Chris Broholm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 116 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Gabriel Weiner, the best-selling author of the book, Fluent Forever, How to Learn Any Language Fast and Never Forget It. On today's show, we talk primarily about his recent Kickstarter success, which saw him raise over $400,000 for his new Fluent Forever language learning app, which is in development, and we catch up since the last time he was on the show. So please do enjoy this episode with Gabriel Weiner. All right, Gabe, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fantastically. So as we talked about just before the the recording button was hit, it's been actually almost three years since we did our last recording, which is uh, quite crazy. Uh, it, fe- it feels like last year. Really insane. <laughs> it, it definitely feels like last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was last year and there's just been some kind of mix up in the TARDIS or Matrix or whatever. <laughs> but um, before we get into uh, the sort of recent developments, can you let all the listeners know what's been going on in your life in the last three years after the release of, of your uh, bestseller, Fluent Forever? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess three years ago was pretty much right when the book came out. It came out in August. So this is about like a couple months. I guess we must have talked like a couple months after the book came out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and God, that's nuts. Um, so the book came out. <laughs> um, that spawned uh, an entire full-time business, basically. I mean, I, I, had, I had done a Kickstarter before we talked uh, that last time. Um, that was to develop pronunciation trainers. Um, that Kickstarter, uh, in terms of my time estimates, uh, I had no idea what I was doing clearly because, <laughs> uh, I just finished the last product from that Kickstarter, uh, last week. Right. <laughs> uh, which is nuts. Uh, now to be fair, uh, to me slightly is that like when I, when I, one of the things that's tricky about Kickstarters is that you, you, um, you set up this funding target and you set up this goal. And usually your first goal is not the only goal you want to accomplish. Like in my case, uh, with that first Kickstarter in 2013, um, I wanted to create, I think, 10 or 11 pronunciation training apps. Um, and I wanted to do them uh, the, the, the very bare bottom, like the base level of what you know I was planning on doing was just making some small Anki decks. Like that, that was the whole plan. Make right. a few Anki decks that include some like spelling, like, stuff like B as in boy sounds like what? And you're like, but, you know, maybe has pictures of boys on it, like for the B as in boy card, uh, has, you know, a voice actor or two, probably two voice actors, I think was the goal, uh, where someone could say but and another person could say boy in the target languages, whatever. Um, and that was it. Uh, and I had done that for Hungarian and it had t- taken me like four hours to kind of cobble something together. And I figured, okay, well, if I'm going to really do a lot of careful work on this, um, then it will take longer than four hours, uh, and I will have more than one speaker, and so that will take more time and more money. So, so let's set this goal of ten thousand dollars and do eleven languages, and that should take me six to six to nine months. Right. Um, and that was the first goal. 
And then that goal wasn't at all what we did. Uh, I mean, we ended up creating 65 products. Wow. Uh, so, the, yeah. <laughs> so the workload increased sixfold. Um, and it took us uh, three years and 10 months to finish. Um, we ended up producing 32 word lists, uh, which were illustrated by a bunch of web comics. Uh, so we had to commission all that stuff. Uh, I, I wrote, rewrote all my word lists. So they formed into this sort of story order thing. Uh, we got typesetters. We had them proofread like two or three times and run out for beta tests and then sent back in for fixing. Uh, we had to get linguists on board to put in IPA for everything because there's no way to get IPA for things without just finding a linguist who knows it and then correcting their IPA because there's no good standards on IPA. Right. So this has been an insane, insane, like just an insane journey. Like uh, we ended up like with the Kickstarter, we ended up raising $96,000, which sounded really cool at the time. I was like, oh my God, like we're, I was planning on raising 10,000. Like this is so much money. And like the size of this project was like the idea of trying to do this project for $10,000, like looking back on it, is completely insane. Right. Um, completely insane. I think each, I was just uh, uh, writing this this uh, comment, like a response to a comment on my blog about like, hey, why are the word lists not free? And like each of the word lists costs us around $1,000 and we've released 32 of them. Right. Like, <laughs> Like, this thing has been nuts. So like that's been the last four years has been has been that um, it's been just just working and working and working full time on on developing all the stuff for the first Kickstarter. And then now like preparing and the, the last, you know, two months ago was preparing for this uh, this new Kickstarter that just happened. But like, yeah, it's it's basically been create founding a small business and then realizing that my whole life is the small business and then dedicating my whole life to the small business. That's incredible. Did you, when you started making the when you wrote the book and you started making these extra products and you started the, the first Kickstarter, did you have that ambition in mind or did you just say this kind of app or pronunciation trainer would be nice to have for people? It'd be useful for some people. Uh, it was a few things. I mean, on one level, it was that the like I had this experience when I was writing the book where I um, like the first draft of my book was was. A, terrible, but B, I didn't have a clear idea as to what how to deal with pronunciation. I knew the pronunciation was super important, um, but I didn't know how, like, a good way to get it across to people. Like, I, I, I personally, my pronunciation training was, like, go to opera school. And, like, that's not a convenient way to deal with pronunciation. <laughs> right. Uh, like, that's not a recommendation I can stick in a book. It's like, hey, everyone, the key to learning a language, go to opera school. So... I, well, well, I sent in the first draft of my book, which was like, like the first chapter that I sent in was this awful chapter on pronunciation. It was just like, you know, the epiglottal fricative is made in the back of the throat mm. using the epiglottis. Like just this, just wonky, like technical, terrible thing. And my editor like basically said, no, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I will cancel your contract if you send this to me again. Um, and I started doing research, trying to figure out pronunciation stuff. Like, what can I really advise people to do other than like, hey, go out on YouTube and good luck. <laughs> right. Pray, pray that you find a good teacher on YouTube, basically. Um, and then I came across this research that turned into the pronunciation trainers, which was this um, this, this minimal pair testing thing uh, using Japanese uh, adults, trying to see how, to, how can you teach them to, to hear the difference between rake and lake. Um, and I tested it. And so I like the, the concept there is basically you play rake or lake 
at random and then you test someone who can't hear the difference and then you show them immediate feedback. And then if you do that for like an hour, then they permanently pick up the ability to hear the difference between Rake and Lake, which is like super cool research. And so I was like, well, I, I wonder how that feels. I wonder what that's like. And I built that for Hungarian and it took me like the four hours to, to assemble it. Uh, and then I played with it for 10 days, like 20 minutes a day. And then at the end of those 10 days, I basically did as good, if not better, than that half semester of opera training in a particular language. Wow. Uh, and like this, this was a 10 day replacement for go to opera school. Can you give an and example like, of, this, uh, of that? I'd like uh, just out of curiosity, I know a bit of Hungarian, so it'd be fun to just hear an example of a minimal pair trained in, sure, in Hungarian. Um, sure. Things like um, there was uh, kor, 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 like those are three different ones. Right. Uh, and, and core and core, those are, you know, close enough. And like, those are, those are far enough apart, but like core and core, like this extra long, oh, I yeah. could not hear initially. Like I was not, you know, my ears were not used to the idea of length distinctions in vowels. They were a little bit used to length distinctions in uh, consonants because of like Italian, um, but not at the ends of words. So things like, um, uh, I forget things like, like hall, hall and hall. Right. Um, where it's like, oh, it's an extra long L, but there's no vowel afterwards. Like that's new. And that, that I wasn't sensitive to hearing. Um, things like that. Like those, those were ones in Hungarian that, that I, I definitely could not hear initially. And I picked up the ability to hear um, and super fast. And I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is really effective. Like, yeah, let's do this thing. Um, so, uh, so I, I saw that and my response to that was like, this is, this is, this is exciting, A, like this is exciting that this tool works so well. And then B, like surely someone has used this already. Like surely this exists. Um, and as soon as I realized that like it didn't exist, then I felt really responsible. Like I, that it was really important that this exists because like the pronunciation has been so devalued in many senses uh, by, by uh, a lot of language teachers. Yeah. Uh, um, I remember going to the, the the French program that I that initially sort of turned into my book, um, and I had come into there uh, with a lot of French training, with a lot of French pronunciation training, specifically pronunciation. Um, and I showed up, and I I found that over the course of the like it was a seven week program, and by week two or three, my accent was getting worse. Mm. Um, and and it was because you we had like. I would say like one teacher for every five to 10 students, which was like a, a fine ratio, but you're talking about one native speaker for every five to 10 people who are butchering French. Yeah. And so you're, you're getting one bonjour for every, like for 10, like bonjours right next to you. <laughs> and like my accent was getting worse. Like every day I was getting a little bit worse at French and I'm like, this is not good. Like, what do I do? And I went to the administration, um, and I asked, like, hey, can 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 I teach pronunciation class? Um, can I can we have like a workshop? Can can we like do something about this? Um, um, and so I they basically came back at me saying, like, well, but that's something for advanced students. Uh, that's something that, you know, if, if if you're an advanced student, then you can, can work on pronunciation. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, that's I'm gonna terrible, lose my isn't accent it? Here, like, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't, I can't prevent this from happening. Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of disturbing for me. Uh, and and when I saw that there was this option of uh, creating something new, um, I 
I, I jumped on it. Like I, I really, I thought it was really important to, to build. Right. Um, there was also this other aspect of like, like writing a book is a weird process with a, with a big publisher um, in the sense that it's, it's really, it's, it's great to have the talent, meaning like I, I owe the quality of my book to my editor, like my editor, like I, I would not have been pushed that hard. Uh, if I didn't have someone willing to just say like, I will end you <laughs> if you don't shape up. <laughs> How's that for motivation? <laughs> oh, it's quite good for motivation. Like the, the having someone who is willing to threaten your whole livelihood uh, based on your the quality of your work is like is is an amazing and very valuable and terrifying experience. Um, and I wouldn't have had that if I didn't, uh, you know, if I didn't have uh, this publisher. Um, right. But, you know, they royalty rates are like seven uh, percent, I think, seven between seven and ten percent, depending upon your your deal and your how many copies you've sold and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so they're they're taking around ninety three percent of all profits of the book. Uh, and so there's not you don't actually get that much from selling a, a book. You get uh, a widespread audience is really what you're aiming for. You get a high quality book with a wide audience. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. But like the, the 97% thing or the 93% that's taken thing is a little, um, you know, odd. Uh, <laughs> and so especially from the standpoint of looking at something that you're spending, uh, you know, years working on, like the book took me two years to write. And that was basically my full time job for two years. Um, and so in that scenario, uh, I was looking at like, is there any way that I don't need to be, you know, only making, you know, 90 cents for a copy of this book. Um, and then when I saw these pronunciation trainers and thought, okay, well, for a, a, this is super important that I build this. And then B, like, I imagine that people who read this book may be interested in looking at these, at, at playing around with these trainers. Um, and those things are not just 90 cents per copy. Of course. Um, and there's not someone taking, you know, 92% of the royalties on those. <laughs> right. So, so there was sort of both. There was an idea of, I bet there is a business here, but also like I, this thing seems important. So let's, let's do both. Let's combine both of those things. That's really cool. And I just wanted to mention uh, a couple of things based on that. The first is the original episode we did was actually called like how to, improve your pronunciation or something because i took the spin uh, mm. of because it's the first chapter of the book and also because you come came from the opera training yeah. we had a lot of talk about the uh, pronunciation why it was so important and also the fact that you mentioned that it's so underrated it seems it's like well you can learn the language and then fix your pronunciation after which is like completely crazy to me that you that people do this but i see it everywhere it's like well i just want to yeah. speak yeah but you know it does help you a bit um so i remember that that was kind of interesting that that was the sort of the overarching topic of the first show was pronunciation and it still gets ignored and the other thing i would say is it's been three years since i i read film forever or thereabouts when, when we had the talk and I, I still remember one of your sentences like it was a really furious sentence of something like i can't stand reading a textbook where there's some weird 
English description of the word oh. bonjour or jour. <laughs> and that sentence has just been forever imprinted into my memory. And it sometimes comes up, you know, out of nowhere. Uh, and especially when I read the SML series, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen that they do that quite extensively. Um, of sure. course, I'm not saying it's completely terrible, but I just think of you every time we see those approximations, I think was the polite word. <laughs> um so that's pretty cool i'm glad you left such an imprint <laughs> yeah well i mean i don't know it doesn't help at all does it to see an approximation of the pronunciation like what has that ever done to I anyone it it, it, it reinforces bad habits is what it does i think it does damage yeah it's like if you taught if you taught someone a language only through writing and then had that person teach the language to someone else that's the quality you would get, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I mean, people, people, like the French have a bad reputation because of like books like that. If I mean, like I think the French have a bad reputation because people come to their country and they're reading travel books and they're like, "Bonjour, <laughs> ça va bien." And they're like, what did you say? Like, right. What language are you speaking to me? And and it's it's frustrating as a if if and like people have had this experience where people will come up to them and uh, try to speak their language but speak it with a thick accent. And if it's hard to understand, then then you as a listener, like list, like you listening to your native language misspoken in some way, um, if it's hard to understand, you will start feeling angry. Yeah. And 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 just like frustrated, you're like just just uh, mm, to say something different, like fix it, because it it doesn't feel good to to think slowly. It doesn't feel good like when your cell phone reception is bad. You also feel like frustrated and angry, because uh, you can't quite hear what they're saying, and like that doesn't feel good. Uh, and I think the French get like this this really bad rap with it because like French the French spelling is so brutal, and the the sounds are so distant from English that. Uh, that that people will come over and like completely butcher the language and be completely un, like not understandable in any way and then these french speakers are just like what are you saying and are getting really angry and then they get this rap of like being really angry people yeah i i think you're onto something there for sure <laughs> and also uh, just a little the last throwback uh, to the last episode was we were talking about the rolled r because that's if you ask people what's your problem with pronunciation most people will say the rolled r uh, unless you're of course from one of the countries where it's uh, used and um I a little update, you know, a, a project update 3 years in the making. I still walk mm -hmm. down the street saying if you remember and um, I do remember that it's getting close I, I will say I'm not working very hard on it to be fair because I'm not really well the the Russian I, I do work on a little bit which sometimes has the well they do use the rolled R but it's not as uh, it doesn't seem as pressing as, as Spanish which I was briefly touching a bit on this year um, mm. but it's getting very close uh, And but I'm not sure if I'm faking it sometimes you know where instead of like rolling the uh, the tongue it's more of like a throttle roll in a way if that makes any sense uh, i don't know if any might be rolling the back yeah yeah exactly so so sometimes i i actually asked some spanish speakers uh, like uh, could you judge my pronunciation of this word i think i said like perro or something and they were like wow you you rolled the r really well and i could just feel that it was wrong like i don't know what i was doing but it felt wrong um right. 
so so that's uh, in case people listen to the previous episode before this uh, that's kind of what's been going on uh, but I do feel an improvement and I've been talking to other people about it and uh, they say you know it just takes practice uh, like we also talked about last time yeah no some of these things take a while I mean it's it's muscle you're trying to get your muscles to behave which like, they, they aren't just going to react in a day so yeah yeah and I don't know if people think I'm weird for walking down the street and going like Raul but sometimes it, it helps <laughs> that kind of stuff is exactly what people need right. a bit of crazy in there every day um so let's go up to present day so right now the kickstarter the second one you're running it's uh you know going beyond what i guess anyone could have imagined i mean at this time it says i think it was like four hundred and thirty thousand dollars at the time of recording um Take us through it. What, like, what happened? <laughs> uh, you're saying bigger than anyone has imagined. I'm, I'm like sort of staring at this thing being like, you need to get to 850,000. You need to get there. Right. But uh, it's the most funded <laughs> app of all time. It totally is. Uh, and that, like, that was, uh, yes. So it's been exciting. <laughs> and it's been nuts. Uh, I guess, let me know where you want to start. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically like, when did you decide to to take the pronunciation trainers and kind of evolve that idea? Because in the in the video to the Kickstarter, you said you had the idea of the of the current app or the the one the Kickstarter that's going on now. You said you had the idea for that, or at least uh, some of the idea for that already in 2012. So yeah. I just wanted to know how you evolved it from the pronunciation trails. Like what were lacking back then in the, in the method? Because for those people who haven't read the book, obviously it's, it's quite of a, I wouldn't call it a hardcore method, but it's definitely a method that takes some work. Like you, you put a lot of effort into creating some content that you can then learn off of. And you also learn from the process itself. Um, but you had the pronunciation, you had, first of all, the book, of course, went into the pronunciation trainers and i guess the first part is you know what's the new thing like can you give a quick 30 second explanation of, of of the new app like the vision you have sure um actually maybe in answering the history question that sort of answers what this thing is um the 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 source of this thing like when this started was um i used to be i used to teach workshops uh i i sort of stopped doing them uh, after i made a big one online after a creative but I used to do workshops where I would teach my method before the book came out. Um, this was in 2012. Uh, I did a lot of them. And um, they were 12 hours long. And around six to eight hours of those workshops were like uh, learning how to use Anki really well. Mm -hmm. And like I think many of your listeners will be familiar with Anki. It's A-N-K-I. Some of them won't. But Anki is basically like really sophisticated flashcard software that is flexible. It is able to do anything. Like I, I learned how to write using Anki. I learned English style using Anki. Um, I memorized like composers, birth dates and death dates using Anki. Like Anki can do almost anything. And when you make a platform that can do almost anything, it's going to be challenging to use. Right. Um, and so like I, I personally don't have any problems with Anki in terms of as a platform. I think it's like, it's, it's, it must exist. Like it's really important that Anki exists. I think it's it's a it's a important thing for the world that there is a platform that can do things that, that are that broad that can really do almost anything. Um, that said, like I, I remember teaching this workshop and like there were people who were like like fifty year old like people like my mom. There was like my mom basically in the workshop. Like she never took one of the workshops, but like someone like one of my workshops, uh, someone like my mom. And like 
my mom is not computer savvy. And I was trying to teach these people like how to uh, drag a, an audio file into Anki on like a small screen. And the process of dragging an audio file into Anki, if you have no idea how to use a computer, like <laughs> it's about, you know, here's how to right click. Like I'm going to teach you how to right click. And now I'm going to log you into Forvo.com. So now you get to like download pronunciations of your words, like recordings of your words. So first, let's teach you how to log into a website. Okay. <laughs> now let's teach you how to how to right click on this thing that says download. You know, uh, that, that's a file link that you don't necessarily know is a link to a file, but it is. And so you're going to right click on that thing. Now you're going to select download file. Now you're going to download it to desktop. Okay. Now let's go to your desktop. You're going to click on that file and then move your mouse. And then like they'll click once and then they'll move their mouse. I'm like, okay, no, don't just click once. Okay, click and hold. Don't let go. And now move your mouse. Okay, now you've picked up the file. It's in your in your cursor. Now don't let go of your right hand, but with your left hand, hit alt and then tab and move into Anki. <laughs> and like this is a like a four-finger, two-handed maneuver <laughs> that I'm trying to teach someone who doesn't know how to use a computer. Right. And like that should not be necess necessary for language learning. Like the idea of, of forcing one, someone to learn how to use a, a two-handed mouse plus keyboard maneuver that involves a motion with the mouse, a click with the mouse that you're holding, and holding down the alt key, and hitting tab, but only hitting tab just once. You can't hold them both down <laughs> or else you'll switch applications a whole bunch of times. Like, it's like I'm, I'm watching myself teach this, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I should not be spending my life teaching this. These students should not be like having to learn how to do this. Like, this should not be in their way to learn a language. Like, this is insane. And yet, like, at that point, it was really clear. Like, I, I knew of no faster method for learning languages. Like, for me, Anki was essential. And so I did teach it. Like, I spent the six to eight hours it took to get someone to the point where they could handle, you know, this click, drag, alt, tab. <laughs> to move an audio file into a box. And don't worry, if you miss the box by two pixels, then you have to start all over again. <laughs> like All of this stuff, like this was was silly. And from that point on, it was like, it is clear this must be fixed. The, this All of this is unnecessary. All of this, the only impediment, uh, like many people will would take this workshop. Like The workshop was actually pretty good in the sense that people left that being like, okay, I feel comfortable with this. This does seem silly that I have to do this much work, but I get the idea and I'm going to try it. And, and so the, the, the technological boundary was like uh, a barrier. Uh, we, we could sort of overcome that over the course of this workshop. But like if someone were just to read the book and then watch like a one hour tutorial on my website, like there were definitely a ton of people who, who saw this tutorial or whatever and were just like, this is too hard. I'm not going to do this. Interesting ideas, but I'm not going to do this. Right. And so I was definitely losing people. And I was losing people for, for no like no good reason like the only reason that i was losing people is because uh no one had done the work to make something that was easier for them was solid like the the concepts are solid like the only thing in the way is that right now the route there is by learning how to use like a click drag alt tab thing into a box <laughs> and so uh the the app has always been this idea of what if i looked at everything that was hard about this method, everything that required uh, skill at maneuvering through a computer, um, everything that was a waste of time that wasn't actually giving you learning. Like this, this creation process of like, how do you take a sentence and turn it into a study tool 
that you can use later. Like that process is essential for me. That process of looking at information and deciding how you want to store it in your head. And then as a result of that process, getting a thing like a flashcard that you get to use later on to keep it in your head. Like that process is key. I don't want to take that away from anyone. But the there were a lot of inefficiencies inside of that process. Um, there was no reason you had to type out the word more than once. Right. Or even that you even had to type out the word. Like if we had a list of words that you could learn, like suggested words, you shouldn't have to type it all. Um, you should never have to select the word and copy it somewhere. Like you shouldn't have to uh, – in in like I, I created all these scripts on, on my website over the last few years for searching five to ten websites at once. Like you can search Google Images and, a, and like three different dictionaries and Forvo.com <laughs> recordings and stuff. Like that's cool that you can type the word once and have it search five to ten websites. That is time savings. But like why should you have to copy and paste that word at all? Right. Uh, like that's a time waste. Like I, I shouldn't need to to look on websites like there should be a way for an app to look on websites for me. And then for me to only spend my time making decisions because it's the decisions that are the learning experience. The decision of, you know, hey, here's you know, I'm going to look up the word for uh, dog in French chien, and I'm going to find that like French dogs look different than than American dogs. And I can just look at that and decide on a picture that sort of captures that memory for me. That decision process, so you, this process of looking at pictures and deciding things, like that's where the learning happens. And shouldn't there be a way for me to spend all of my time doing that, like just the learning thing, and spend basically none of my time click, drag, alt, tabbing, or <laughs> copying and pasting? Um, and so the the app was always sort of intended to do that. It was looking at the the whole workflow of how is it that I learn languages. And seeing, can I make this thing completely efficient? Can I take, can I make that every single second that someone is spending in this in this app, can I make that be a learning experience? Um, and so that that was sort of the goal with this app, and that's that's what we're accomplishing here is is that. Um, and so like the the user experience with the app is basically it's it's the pronunciation trainers minus the forty five minute installation video. Right. They just work. <laughs> you don't need to install Anki. You don't need to like put this pronunciation trainer into Anki. It's just, here's some videos, watch them, press a button saying that you watch them and then you can study. You're done. That's it. Um, and then it's, uh, here's a list of words to learn. Tap on a word. If you want to learn it, here are a bunch of sentences you can learn them in. Uh, as soon as you choose a sentence, then it's like, what picture do you want for your word? And then if you choose a picture, it says, do you want to learn any other words in this sentence? If so, tap on those words. And then you just keep repeating this process until You've taken in all the data from that sentence, and then you can move to the next sentence or the next word or do anything else you want. Um, and so every interaction that you have with this app is with your target language and making choices about it. What words do you want to learn? What pictures do you want to use? What sentences do you want to use? So like that's that was sort of the goal with this thing, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's that, that's incredibly cool because I, I'm just trying to think about current solutions and there are obviously many uh, flashcard apps in fact I, I have a big problem with flashcard apps in general because having a, a even a, a medium-sized website in the language learning industry you get quite a lot of uh, can you try my app please and it's all yes. flashcards in some way or another and I always say like what 
is your sort of unique selling point based on just using instead of just using Enki, which is like the it's been the golden standard for so many years, uh, but it also has yeah. been very clunky and 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 you know I I never really liked using it because it's for me it was just too much work and they they didn't have the syncing for a long time like that was you had to set up some some weird uh you had to get another app uh, like a third party yeah it was i mean lots of problems there so it, it's exciting that you're trying to or solving this problem of uh the technical side because that shouldn't take a lot of time at all like that shouldn't be important yep. but yeah. um but i guess there's still you know you don't take away from the actual creative effort of of creating your learning materials because you're still picking the words and the sentences that you'd like because i remember in the book you you talked about how creating your own flashcards is a learning activity in and of itself it's not just the studying of the flashcards it's also being part of making them and i guess you can serve that with the with the new app as well when you pick them out that's the main intent of the app. I mean, the the it's one of the reasons that um, a, a lot of language learning apps tend to fail um, is that either they're hard to use. <laughs> I mean, either they, they don't give you anything in the sense of something like Anki, where it's like, this is just a platform, use <laughs> yeah. it however you like. There's, 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 no, there's no structure to it. It's just do whatever you want. And so you don't know where to go <laughs> and what to do. And that's been, you know, my, my book and my website and stuff have all been about, you know, if you have this big open place like Anki, like this land of Anki, then here's a structure for you. Um, or you have things where they just give you content. Yeah. And like, I think we've all kind of had this experience in school where uh, we had a test coming up and either we made study guides for ourselves um, or we borrowed someone else's. And for most people, the experience of making your own study guide, like often you never even needed to look at that study guide. Right. Like you you learned the material while making it. Um, and then the experience of using someone else's study guides is, is generally not very successful. Like, uh, like generally, if you grab someone else's flashcards or someone else's study guide for a test and then you look at it, like you won't do well on that test. And that's because like flashcards are, flashcards are an amazing tool. There's a reason why uh, most of the, apps that are on the market have something to do with flashcards is because testing is, uh, as far as I recall, five times more effective than reading. Like if you just present information to someone as opposed to you testing them on that information, uh, they, they retain things five times more if you're testing. Yeah. But if you're testing stuff that someone never learned, then like that's not a good route to learning that material. Right. Yeah. Uh, like flashcards are super for remembering stuff that you've already learned, not to learn it in the first place. Right. Um, and so for me, the, the learning experience is in, in looking at material and, and, and making decisions about it. Uh, and so that's been the whole goal of this app is how do we preserve all the good stuff about flashcard creation uh, and get rid of the bad stuff, which is like, oh, isn't that a lot of work? Like, it's just, can we get rid of the work <laughs> part and leave all the, 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 like, the good stuff, the decision part? Because making decisions is, is fun, potentially. Like, it's and not just potentially, it's fun. Like, you you looking at a bunch of like like Spanish language memes about dogs and being like, that's ridiculous. I'm going to use that picture. Like, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. I, like I, I haven't met people who don't really enjoy that process of, of, of getting surprised. Like we like being surprised by what we see. Um, but you having to do this sort of busy work of like, okay, well now I have to type this word in five times or now I have to select this word and like delete it and put un, like put in underscores. So it's a fill in the blank sentence. Like, that's not fun. That's just repetitive motions over and over and over again. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I keep thinking about like the existing platforms, how it's really hard to make a test or learn from a test because it, let's say you have um, the, the languages you're learning from English to something, which is also one of the advantages of your method is that you don't have a from language in a sense. You have like a, a visualization, a, a picture of the thing, or I guess a representation of if it's a, a more abstract concept. Um, that kind of gets rid of that problem where you see a sentence and you have no idea how to say it in the new language because you don't know if it's an idiomatic phrase or like, you know, if you do a closed test, for instance, you just take one word at a sentence, like you don't know what that word's going to be unless you've seen the test before <laughs> and then you're like you're actually right. being tested on the test rather than the knowledge of that word word and how it works in in combination so yeah it's pretty interesting yeah it's been it's it's hard i mean it's honestly like looking at what everything else is like there's there's a lot of so many tools out there and like looking at those tools like it's not like everyone's screwing it up it's that it's hard like it's hard to make a good language learning tool because this is like you're talking about how do you change how someone thinks in a permanent manner? Yeah. And like that's that's not an easy task. Uh, and also, how do you do that in a way that makes them enjoy it? Yeah. <laughs> so that they keep using it from day to day. Like those, those parameters are not easy. Uh, so like th there's not a lot of routes through that that are going to produce something that's satisfying and also works. Uh, and, and so I, I'm not surprised looking around being like, well, Hey, well, this one doesn't work and that one doesn't work. Well, like, yeah, but like, it, it's hard. <laughs> like, of course it doesn't work necessarily because like, it's hard to make something that, that is enjoyable to use. If you find something that really, uh, like works, then you may well find that it's not something that people want to use. <laughs> right. Actually, that's funny. I, I wrote about that and uh, I didn't know what to call it. So I just called it my own name. But basically my theory was there are methods that are really efficient, but super boring. So you so people just get turned off of it. So that could be Anki. And then there are methods that are super fun, like watching a movie in Spanish or whatever. But you don't really learn that much from just watching the movie without thinking about it, like subtitles or scripts or like putting any active thought into it um i mean i'm sure it helps sure. no not dissing the watching movies and shows i think if you can't do anything else definitely do that but uh, there was this like um <laughs> some kind of gradient or like the i call this a mathematical term that i forgot but so i definitely agree with that that there needs to be a balance because the hardest thing about learning a language is actually doing the work and there are different ways of enjoying the process and we're all different of course but it has to be enjoyable i mean that is almost is that the most important thing what do you what do you think i do think that that's that's absolutely necessary and maybe the most important thing you you don't actually learn things when you're bored right. <laughs> your, your brain is has a, has a good defense against boredom which is just like oh i'm not paying attention to this because i'm bored like if this if you aren't having fun like then it doesn't matter what you're doing yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So in the video, you talk about how the app is basically a companion to from complete beginner to fluency. And I don't want to talk necessarily about the debate about fluency because uh, as we've talked about it lots of times here on the show, but I do want to talk about the developing that entire um process or 
tools required is there is there a way is there a point where you take a let's say a collection of sentences or let's say 625 words or how many however many words you you need to get into a good uh, point in the language and actually convert that into an actively used language because i can imagine there's a difference between me being able to you know be tested on a, on a sentence full of words in russian but actually going up and using that sentence to someone um you know what what are your plans for if you have any at this point of kind of not putting into the real world because it is in the real world of course but like how do you actually take that knowledge you gain from the app and then apply it is what i'm thinking super question. yeah um for the last two years uh, my main source of spanish and japanese has been uh tutors on italki um and it's been using tutors and italki in a very very targeted manner um what i've been doing basically is uh for Japanese, for instance, I started from both of them, actually. I started from scratch. I had zero words. Uh, I, I hired a tutor uh, for, you know, Italki's giant price of like five bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great. Because Italki's amazing. And yeah, and so I have this tutor and I have uh, and I send them a copy of my 625 word list. Um, and I say, all right, well, I don't know any Japanese. So let's get started. <laughs> uh, the first word in this list is, you know, the first six words are like, you know, one white dot uh, up sky <laughs> star. Because we put these these things in little clumps of like stories. So like up in the sky, there's a, a white dot in the sky and it's a star. It's sort of like this this little haiku of a of a, <laughs> of, a, of, a of a bunch of words that I want to learn. And so I'm like, these are the words I want to learn today. Uh, let's spend the next hour learning these, you know, six to eight words. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, I want to make a, uh, a word with, I want to make a sentence with the word dot, and I want it to have something to do with my life. Um, like a thing that I would actually talk about. And I'm like, well, there's like a, a black dot in the middle of my laptop screen. So let's say that. And like, they'll explain how to say this sentence. So there's a black dot in the middle of my laptop screen. And, and I'll ask about it. I'll be like, okay, so where, where's the word dot? Like, let's talk about this word dot. And then like, how is it, how does it work in this sentence? Like, let's, let's talk about this thing uh, until I really understand how this sentence works. Um, and then I'll have them record it. I'll have them record that one sentence and that will be my content. Uh, and then we'll move to the next word and we'll be like, okay, star. So like, you know, uh, when I was in Pennsylvania, I could look up and I could see a million stars in the sky. And so, well, sentence two in Japanese and I'll go through again and I'll be like, okay, where's Pennsylvania? Okay. How do I say, you know, where's the stars? How do I number stars? How do I count stars in Japanese? Like, how do I, how does that work? Uh, and we'll have this big discussion and like maybe now 30 minutes have elapsed because like these are the first two sentences I've ever seen in Japanese <laughs> and I have a lot of questions to ask and that's fine. Like I've been learning a lot. Um, and so we progress and then eventually we get through all six words and it's been an hour. It's taken an hour to learn six words and that, that's fine. Uh, and I get recordings of these six sentences. And then when I'm done with this, this Skype call, I go to Anki and I basically dump these sentences in. And every sentence for me is 20 flashcards. Because I can learn Pennsylvania and I can learn when and I can learn this idea of past tense in Japanese. And I can learn word order and I can learn star and I can learn how to count stars and I can learn the word for million. And like, and and mold, and then if I'm learning kanji, then, you know, then I have, you know, a hundred flashcards. <laughs> uh, and so I have, I have all of this stuff coming out of these six sentences. Uh, basically I get a week's worth of work, uh, to, to memorize all the content in these sentences and memorize it in a really like effective way, not just memorize like 
you know, I know the translation for the word star, but like, no, I know how Japanese thinks about stars. I know how they fit into sentences. I know where they where they land in terms of the word order. I know where they land in terms of how the numbers relate to them, like all this stuff. Um, and so the the result is that I've now internalized that hour long conversation. That's now in my head in like a really effective manner. Like that's that's now Japanese. That's not some information about Japanese. That's actual Japanese. Um, and next week I do the same thing, except now I can make faster progress. Uh, I go through maybe eight to ten words. And I start picking up Japanese phrases and I start asking things like, how do I say, can you repeat that again, Japanese? And so we'll learn that. And that'll be a recorded sentence too. Um, and after about, I would say two months of this, um, our conversations are mostly in Japanese. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a, it's a gradual shift, but because I'm, I'm internalizing like literally every word that ha that happens that I think is useful, uh, that becomes internalized for me. Um, by the end of those like like two or three months, most of our conversations can can stay in Japanese. Like we'll need a word uh, from time to time in English, but like most of the, that conversation is in Japanese. Um, and so, it took me like maybe six to nine months to get through the 625 word list for Japanese. But by the end of that word list, it wasn't like I only knew 625 words. Like that first sentence with you know when I was in Pennsylvania, I could look up in the sky and see you know a million stars. That's not just the word star. Right. Like it's a lot. Of, of course. <laughs> How uh, many flashcards? So, a lot. <laughs> Just like 20, I, like average of 10 to 20 flashcards per sentence right. in, initially. Like it, it goes down. Like as like three months in, I might be only get like four to six flashcards per sentence. Sure. Um, but initially, like everything, I'm taking everything. Uh, and so nine months in, I'm, I'm holding conversations about like, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm go dancing instead of jumping to English when I don't know a word, I try to explain the word that I'm looking for in Japanese. And so at this point, I'm able to speak like conversational Japanese at like a B1 level. Um, and I also have a thousand sentences by this point. Right. Now all internalizing are in my flashcard deck. Now, I really like this method. I think it's spectacularly effective. Um, those thousand sentences, they're only valuable to me and that's dumb. And that's one of the, the goals of this app is if I'm going to be doing this sort of activity of me going to a tutor every week and playing, playing around with the language, um, all of my sentences should be available to everyone else studying Japanese. And so that's part of this app is that if I'm, if I'm interacting with a tutor, that content is for everybody. Like, yes, there'll be privacy settings. And if I want a sentence just for me, then so be it. But like, generally, those sentences are available for everybody. Um, the other sort of goal with his app is make that interaction with a tutor really easy. Right now, I have to talk to my tutor. I have to record the Skype call. Like, I made a little web app that allows, like, if they're using the Chrome browser, like, they can record a sentence in the app. Uh, and that's kind of the direction we're going to go with a new one. But like, practically speaking, it should be really straightforward to talk to a tutor have them say a sentence, have them write it down, and for that to be in my flashcards. Um, and so part of this sort of speaking idea, this idea of how do I turn this into active conversation, is me pushing users, uh, like giving people resources. So like giving them sentences with the 625 word list already pre-made with like information about grammar, um, giving them access to this community database so they can access all of my Japanese sentences and everyone else's, but also make it really easy to make that step, uh, take that step from I'm sitting alone with my phone to I'm working with a two sentences and then I'm putting those sentences in my head. Um, and so that's sort of the, the super long way of answering your question of like, how do you move from this passive thing to active? 
is that I think that act, that interaction with the tutor is the most effective use of active communication time. Uh, and I want to get people doing that as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Now that's a, I'm, again, I'm just head is just spinning from, from this, just think of the applications because that's like, I always saw language learning as a sort of jigsaw puzzle where you add pieces all the time. But with this uh, perspective, it makes even more sense because what you're basically doing is you're, you're taking sentences well i guess the first sentence you start with it might not be super important personally to you i don't know uh, the if there's any personal importance to the star in, from pennsylvania but like if you <laughs> take any seed sentence then everything that comes after that is basically things you want to say right there and then and you ask the tutor how do i say this and then the tutor explains everything in like they you just break it down completely which allows you to see the language in a conceptual sense uh, uh, almost it's almost like the matrix you dive into the language in compared to the alternative which is basically like here is a sentence in russian here's the english translation learn it you know <laughs> and you don't <laughs> understand yeah exactly you don't and i also wrote about this like how but you, you sometimes you gotta you know go through hell to figure out you know what the the good things are but i i started doing that on memorize ages ago and by the way i do like memorize i think it's a good flashcard app but of course limited to what flashcards are really um but I would do single words, just like a thousand Russian words. And after three months, I couldn't say a single sentence because that's not how the language works <laughs> or any language for that matter. Um, so it, for me, it's really interesting to hear you talking about this this method, the Fluent Forever method, because to me, it just it, it, I don't understand why we even had other methods at this point <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, one thing actually that really excites me about this whole thing is the um this idea of being able to get tutor stuff tutored like this kind of tutored content directly into your flashcards and also shared to a community is that uh with minority languages um you get two users who are really enthusiastic about this method uh like two or three users and each of them make a thousand sentences with their tutors which is a, a typical, like a normal amount to make over the course of, you know, six to nine months. Uh, if you were trying to reach fluent or like reach like intermediate level, really, uh, I won't even use the word fluent. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such a loaded, terrible word. But, yeah. Uh, but like reaching an intermediate level in this thing, uh, suddenly, like usually that would now you have two more people who can hold a conversation in this language. But suddenly, if you allow all of their content to become public and accessible to everybody, then you just created in that minority language in something like Mohawk or things like that, where I, I was, I was teaching uh, uh, workshops up there in, in Canada. Uh, and like they're struggling for resources. No one's written a textbook on these languages necessarily, or those textbooks are hard to read and are super dense and are written by linguists. Um, but suddenly you make it a possible to just access 2000 sentences from two students and you get to now learn Mohawk. And then you have a third student who maybe does more things. Now you have maybe 3,000 3, flashcards in this language. Like it's, it, there's so much promise there. Like that's the thing that excites me about this project most is the idea of taking two or three students and suddenly creating the largest resource in a particular language that's ever existed. Like that's, that's the potential here. And so that, that's kind of the thing that I'm like, 
I, I'm, I'm pushing towards as hard as I possibly can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's really cool. Also, I, I'm not personally a huge, uh, I don't have a huge interest in minority languages, but I know that a lot of people listening have the, uh, the passion for that. Um, a final thing before we, uh, we call this uh, episode was just how do uh, if you're sharing this content on a platform, I can see the the benefit of it's basically, I guess, crowdsourcing in a way. You crowdsourcing the the sentences to to a degree, but how do do you then make them your personal sentences? Won't that limit my learning if I'm using, let's say, your Japanese sentences to uh, to learn with? Um, they they won't be as personal. Like they can't be as personal. Um, but because you do get to choose uh, your words, meaning you get to choose which parts of those sentences you find most interesting, um, and because you also get to choose your pictures in terms of what how you want to sort of symbolize this part of the story to yourself, um, that process does personalize uh, sort of any content on some level. Um, I have played with both. Um, I've learned Japanese in part from these tutors. And in part being like, uh, I haven't, you know, my tutor was, was away this week and I couldn't work with them and I still want to learn more. Let me grab a sentence from online uh, and grabbing a sentence from online. It still does work. It's not as good as a personalized one, but it works quite well because you're engaging with it because you're choosing your words and you're choosing your pictures. Um, and so there is always an aspect of personalization there. Um, and even with someone else's content that you still get to add that in because of those choices you're making. Um, so I, I think that there is a um, a loss of effectiveness, but not a total loss of effectiveness. I think you can do a lot with uh, with access to someone else's sentences, um, especially when you're actively going out there and looking for them. Um, when you say, I want to learn the word, you know, dog, let me find five sentences with dog and choose the one I like the most. That active search uh, is a sort of personalization thing. You're choosing what your preference is is another kind of personalization thing. So I think that's never quite, that's never gone. Uh, right. And, and so to that end, I think it, there is, um, you do retain the, the, the personalization. This thing so effective. Right. And uh, if I can give you a suggestion, something cool would be if you have a sentence is loaded in that you're working on in, in the active library or whatever the name would be for it. If you could mark a certain part of a sentence and say, there's something here I don't quite understand, put a little note in, and then the app would automatically create a report that you could bring to your next tutoring session. Like, that would mm, be pretty cool yeah. to have because because be cool. yeah. I think that often if you when you learn on your own, which I think a lot of people prefer to do, you often end up thinking like, I don't even like, why is it this word? And why is it this ending? And why is it that honorific or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. But if you could put a note in it, then you could, you could get it sorted out later while still maintaining efficiency. Because I assume you can learn a lot more on your own, really, uh, because you're not tied down to a, a teacher schedule or like a, a quiet place sometimes also. So, um, so that could be cool. But anyway, yeah. uh, time has flown and uh, it's now in the middle of the night here. And you, I don't know what time it is over there, but I suspect uh, it's getting later as well. So um, 
just want to thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing the app and just to uh, be clear to people there's still time there's still time to join the kickstarter there's uh, um, a, a couple of days left i don't know entirely when this is going out but let's just say i'll get it out before the kickstarter ends for sure awesome. um, and people can uh, search for fluent forever on kickstarter.com And it will be there if it's not on the front page, you know, no, it probably will be. <laughs> and uh, what what kind of uh, rewards can people get if they if decide, decide to back your idea? Um, we have a lot of stuff. Basically, uh, joining the Kickstarter gives you a lifetime discount on the access to the app. Uh, we found early on we had to do some sort of subscription model. Uh, I was aiming not to, but we have to uh, because it costs money to use Google Google Images. Uh, and Google like, Image Search is such a key part of this app um, that I wasn't comfortable with any way that would get rid of that. Uh, and so uh, we basically... Um, Everyone as part of the Kickstarter has a super cheap subscription model. Uh, everyone after the Kickstarter starts getting more expensive. Um, or we have sort of lifetime subscriptions where for people who really don't like the idea of subscriptions, we have just lifetime access to single languages or lifetime access to every language we ever do for people who are just like, I want to learn 10 languages. Like, okay, for you, there is a thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so basically there's, there's different uh, access to the app for different, amount of different amounts of time all the way up to lifetime. That's cool. And and the languages, you, how did you pick the languages? Was it just your personal interest or do you have some kind of like a scientific approach to what languages you're rolling out first? Uh, that's basically based on popularity. If it was just on my own approach, I would only make an app for Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, we're, we're aiming, like I'm, I'm aiming to uh, hit the stretch goal that, that means that we get to cover all language, period. This idea of, of you know, if some, two students want to learn Mohawk, then so be it, and they can, and everyone can share their resources. Um, that's going to be once we hit 850,000. Um, that may happen during this Kickstarter, and it may happen shortly thereafter. We're going to launch an Indiegogo campaign right after, like the same day. Um, the prices will go up because we want to, you know, give the Kickstarter people their bonus for really sure. coming in super early. Early bird. Um, but yeah, the early bird thing. But but there will still be uh, an Indiegogo campaign, mostly so we can keep how much funds we're raising. Uh, so that we can see how far we get in terms of stretch goal, because I do want to keep adding languages features to this thing uh, all the way up to it. You know, language. Fantastic. Well, have a great day and best of luck with the rest of the campaign. And if anyone is interested about Gabe and his uh, projects, then fluent-forever.com is the place to go to. And uh, other than that, just uh, happy learning. And uh, I hope we don't uh, wait three years until the next call. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. See ya. All right. Thanks so much.